What's up, buddy? Not much, man. You know. So not much has happened in the last five weeks since we've last recorded. Is that how long it's been? Is this five weeks? I mean, well, I don't. It's probably been longer since we recorded. Our last release date was May uh, May seventh. Oh, okay. And as we recorded, uh-huh. it is June seventeenth. Lots so, happened. A yeah. lot has happened. So, how are things in your world? Uh, fine. Can I come visit the Stax Museum of Soul Music? Starting tomorrow. You think there'll be people lined up outside? I actually think we're going to, I think we might have a few people. Um, nice. We, the city was supposed to enter phase three on Monday, but uh, everybody decided to act a fool lately. Mm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to stay in phase two for the foreseeable future. And then the city council passed a mask ordinance last night, which, mm-hmm. of course, which is basically like saying, hey, you should, you're, you, we're saying you have to wear a mask, but we're not going to do anything to you if you don't. Right. Try to listen to us telling you to wear yeah. a mask. Um, so we're proud uh, to be one of the states that is uh, surging yeah. um, in good cases. Kentucky is going down. Um, yeah, there's, there yeah, seems to be a distinct trend between governor or place, with the exception of California and Oregon, places mm-hmm. that have Democratic governors are seem to be doing pretty well, and mm-hmm. ones with Republican governors are tire fires. Go figure. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, I just don't understand. You know, I you know you know Gary Parrish is obviously. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know, his show, his show every day at four o'clock is like this just beacon of, it's just like, it's so enjoyable because he's super funny. He's got great stories. We have very similar, he used to live with Corey Brannon years ago. So he's like totally Corey Brannon, Lucero, Ryan Adams, Truckers, Sturgill. Like he just listens to a lot of this, plus a ton of hip hop. So he listens to a lot of the same music that I do, but he's just smart funny guy and he's like a rare lefty voice on the radio uh here and he had the best thing to say a few about a month or so ago which was like this is just the dangest thing i've ever seen it's like we were fighting it and everybody was on the same page we were making progress and then we just decided ah, good enough we're good yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well anyways so how about, how about uh, you guys yeah, uh, we're you know we're hanging in. You still have your uh, au pair, au Yeah, we haven't we haven't scared them off yet. Your pair, uh, your pair of au pairs. Yep. Um, no, that's so far so good on that. So, um, yeah, yeah. So we'll just I don't know. Just keep wearing your fucking masks, people. Jesus Christ, it's not that hard. <sighs> yeah. We've got uh, stacks masks and uh, with, nice. the, with the logo on them, and like I wear it, I wear them, I do wear them, but then sometimes, like I'm sitting at work and it's just like it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. Yes, no, it definitely <laughs> sucks. Basically, it's going to be I wear it, I wear it, I wear it, and then I just go disappear. I go into my office and I shut my door and I just take it off for like a half hour and then come back out. <laughs> so I saw somebody, I don't know, 
I wish I could give credit to whoever wrote this, but you know, so as we record this, Father's Day is this weekend, right? Yeah, yeah this Sunday. Um, and somebody said all they want for Father's Day is to be able to uh, walk out the front door, leave the family inside, and scream as, as loud as they can. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all that's just all i want i just want to i just want to be able to do that that's pretty good yeah totally i totally get that <laughs> i totally get that like yesterday i mean i kid you not it's the like this is going to sound like the lamest thing but it was like i had you know, we've been doing this for three months, and I think I've, we've all kept it together relatively well. Like we've had our moments, but like yesterday was going to be our first time as a family going out to eat since March. Mm. Wow! And so, yeah, we have not done that. So, congrats on so, you. For well, no, trying that. let me finish for the story for, first for attempting for yes. attempting that. Keyword is attempting. So we we're gonna go to Huey's, which is this local chain burger place, whatever, super family friendly. Uh-huh. Like Presley can get chicken strips. Press Ellison can act a fool. Doesn't matter. Yeah. So we got you know limits on how many uh, uh, capacity limits and and so on and so forth. So we want to go to Huey's out in Germantown because we knew they had a patio. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, we don't want to go at lunch rush because there'll be people there. So let's just have like a late lunch. It'll be like our big meal for the day. And then we'll just right. have like cereal or something. Yeah. And so I left work and it was like all set. We were getting ready to go. Jen was going to drive. I went and like t- took a couple hits off the vape pen to make my, <laughs> make my chicken Philly taste even better. Uh-huh. And like, we're going to go, right? Take the, take the edge off a take little bit. Take the edge off the day. So we go out to, we get out to Huey's and there's cars in the parking lot and there's people on the patio and schlepped the family up there. And the guy says, how many? We say four. And he says, we'd like to sit out. We'd like to sit outside. It's like, oh, that's going to be a little bit longer. Mm. And it's like, you know, how much longer? It's like 15 minutes. Like, all right, mm. we can do 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we sit there. And Presley's cool at this point. He's got stuff and he, he and I can run around. But like, mm-hmm. you know, you've been there with, you've been to a rest. You've had a baby. You know what uh-huh. it's like. You have like a uh-huh. finite period of time. Yes, TikTok, like, TikTok. T- yeah, 10 turns into 15 and 15 turns into 20 and 20 turns into 25. Mm. And eventually we're just like, there are people that have come after us who have sat inside, who mm. have seated. I can see they've already, two, two young ladies came in like after us and had already eaten and had left. Wow. Um, the patio wasn't clearing out, but we were like, it's the witching hour. Like this mm. is not going to yeah. go well. Yeah. And so we're just like, so what do you want to do? It's like, well, I'm not eating. Jen says, well, I'm not eating inside. I was like, okay. All right. Well, I guess we're just going to have to go. Gauntlet thrown. It's like, do you want to get takeout? And I was like, no, that defeats the purpose Mm -hmm. of this. And Mm -hmm. so I just went home. And like, I was so bent. Like I was Mm. bent like the rest of the day. Sure. And I figured out what it was, was because Jen was like, because we had a gift card to this place. Because it was Mm. going to be free too. Mm Mm-hmm. And she was like, I can go over to the one over at uh, Aaron Way and I'll order it from the parking lot and I'll just bring it right home. And it's like, you don't understand. I just wanted to have the act of going to a restaurant and getting a tea in a big Mm -hmm. ass cup. And Mm -hmm. I wanted hot, crispy French fries. I don't Mm -hmm. want French fries out of a styrofoam container. 
that defeats the whole point of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It was just too. I'm sorry. That's okay. You know, I got over it, but yeah. it took, it took me uh, until today to get over it actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I was like, that's, it just was so damn frustrating. It's just so frustrating. Uh, anyways. So here we are, here we are with your dose of uh, sunshine on the post tape. <laughs> we know everybody. It's tough for everybody, no matter what your situation is. I think that's, that's where I'm at to come to grips with it is, you know, it's, it's basically everybody's got their own challenge through this. And, oh yeah. You know. Yeah, whatever it's always this grass is always greener but not really this time uh, it's pretty much everybody's is brown talk to yeah talk to my staff today we had a little lunch and got uh got lunch and just to just to catch up because we hadn't all seen each other really and um you know as i said this and it like you know i I think about it obviously but i didn't really strike me until i said it was like this isn't something that you have you deal with only at home or only at work. Like mm, this is mm. something every you have to deal with everywhere you go. Mm. So you've got to deal with it at home because you have to wear a mask if you go to the grocery store or you're not going out because you don't want to be in a crowded place or whatever it might be. But then you come to work and the place where you've worked for in some cases more than 5 years and you got to wear a mask at work and you've got acrylic shields up in front of you and all of these other changes that are going to happen. And it's just like, now you got to make sure that all the people that come into the museum are wearing masks. And if they're not wearing one, you can offer them one. And if they don't wear one, well, then we got a whole thing. So like, that's, that's the thing. It's like, there's no escaping it. The only, yeah. <laughs> the only way to escape it is if you just stay at home and everybody's yeah. t- tired of staying at home. Right. Yeah. That was <laughs> so. cool for a little while. And now it's, it's yeah, getting kind of it was, old. It was actually cool for it was actually cool for a little while. <laughs> it was, I actually really kind of enjoyed it until probably I would say middle of last month was yeah. the time where I was yeah much. And now it's like um, I said to my boss today, like preparing the museum, preparing the museum for opening. It's kind of like that episode of the Brady Bunch when Peter Brady wins Hero of the Year. Because he saved that girl from uh, the, the toy shelf falling out of her in Driscoll's toy shop, Tina, and uh-huh. saves her, but then gets all of this like a, a plot, like all of this, you know, gets an award and the newspaper. Uh, yeah, undue, undue adulation. Undue adulation. And then he gets like a cash prize from mm-hmm. something. And then he decides he's going to throw this party. Well, by the time he throws the party, like everybody's sick of him because he's like such a being an a hole about being mm-hmm. a hero. So he throws this really great party with soda and chips and all this stuff. And like nobody comes and he's all sad. And then his parents talk him into coming back down. And then his brothers and sisters are there and like everything's cool. But that's the way I kind of felt like getting the museum ready to go today is like we're setting it up for a party and we open at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And I'm going to look out the door and be like, oh, wait, somebody here? Is anybody going to come in? Anybody want to come in and do this? We've done all this work. We've spent all this money to put up these shields and we got these fancy masks and cool floor decals and we cleaned everything and we fixed things and we painted and now we just want somebody to come in just come in say hello we miss everybody if if anybody wants a a Stax mask is are they available for for people that don't visit the museum 
Um, they are. We're not selling them per se, but I would. Uh, if you want one, I'll send you one. Yeah, yeah I'd love one. <laughs> They're a little. Uh, if you got a lot of face, they don't really work that well. But uh, okay. Yeah, uh, but they, you know, they cover. They cover what they need to cover. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, this is the bluest tape. We generally talk about widespread panic. Um, a but, band you know, I have not listened to in a very long time. Maybe that's the maybe this is the problem, Jeff. I think we need to get back into it. Uh, this the bracket has been awesome. It, you know, it's taken us a minute to do, yeah. but I think it's time that we move into. We got to start finding some new stuff to listen to. I and, think so too. Uh, and we yeah. and the people need us because there's no not going to be any new panic for a long time. So a long, a long time, a long time. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I feel it's it's one of those things where so many musicians are hurting right now. I mean, it is it's just musicians and venues. Some of mm. your favorite venues in Lexington and Louisville. Some of my favorite venues in Memphis, Nashville, wherever you know, are just hurting, you know, they've had to lay off their staff, don't know when they're going to be able to reopen. Um, when they do reopen, there's going to be all kinds, they're going to have to come up with all kinds of crazy configurations for social distancing and keeping people apart and ticket algorithms and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's been really difficult, you know, for a ton of musicians, especially here in Memphis, where live music is just the lifeblood of, of, of being a local musician here. Um, but to be a band like Widespread Panic, I mean, I'm sure, well, I know if you follow Dave Schools on Instagram, um, that he and it's likely that others are probably itching to get out there. But it must be nice to know that you don't have to. If you don't have right. to go out, you don't have to go out. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so to be, be, be at a point in your career where, yeah they're making good money, but they've also made, made money and hopefully they've managed it. Well, I'm not making any assumptions, but I hope they've managed it well, but clearly it's just like you get the Jones cause you want to go out, you want to play, you want to see people, you want to share, share your art with everybody, but it must be nice to not feel forced back out on the road and you can just sort of reevaluate and push things off to 2021. Yeah. You know, I think, I feel like we need to get back into some 96, Jeff. Like maybe just, just like bury our heads into like June 96 okay. and that'll just help us make us feel better about now things. It is the uh, 24th anniversary of Cincinnati Zoo tomorrow. Um, yeah. Uh, Detroit after that and Buffalo. So yeah, we can do that. Tupatinas and yeah. Oak Mountain. Is I was thinking tomorrow's the uh, 21st anniversary, I guess, of Mud Island 99. So, you know. Yes, it's time. It's time to get back in. Thanks, Harry. Thanks to see we should have done this earlier because now I'm, I'm rejuvenated. I, we need to come up with some themes. Maybe our yeah. friends out there, maybe our friends out there listening, uh, Radio Land can help us come up with some themes. So, um, so we're going to George episode actually, but that's just me. If you think that'll make you feel better, Jeff, I'm on board. <laughs> I'm not 100 percent confident that it will. No. Um, so, all right. So we're down to our final four of our top, uh, 16 panic shows of all time. And, um, believe it or not, the top four seeds came, have come through. So I guess that's a reflection of, of, uh, quality out of the, uh, selection committee that the, the seeding was correct. And, um, so we'll talk a little bit about that. 
we have a, a special guest interview that happened a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago, but we're very explicit about we date it. We date the interview. Okay. Um, but I think it's a good, it'll be an interesting sort of time capsule to listen to that three months after we did it and where we were then versus oh, where that we was are like now. Pre, that was pre-pandemic, right? No, it was right after okay. it right started. After like it was probably a week, a week, 10 days into... Late March, maybe, mid-March. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, so, um, well, do you want to talk a little bit about that and then we'll get into the shows before we go into the interview? Sure. Yeah. So um, we've talked a little bit about this before, but one of my lifelong friends is a, a guy named Mark Spusta, who many of you may know is from his awesome posters that he do, has done for Panic and other bands over the years. Um, I've actually known Mark since, you know, pretty much first grade <laughs> when, when growing up in the same small town in Wisconsin. And um we talk about that a little bit. We, we could certainly tell you uh, war stories from eighth and ninth grade B team basketball, but uh, we, we, we hold those back. Um, but uh, Mark is an incredibly talented guy. And it's, you know, his, if you know his poster work at all, um, or any of his the fine art stuff that he's done subsequently to, to posters, um, you know, his creativity, his craftsmanship, just the cool, cool little creatures that he creates. Um, and so you get to hear a little bit about um, how he got hooked up with Panic, his relationship with Dave Schools, relationship with Chris Robinson and the Black Crows, which is kind of how he got his first big break, so to speak, um, into the jam band community. I mean, he's done stuff for everybody, pretty much every band there is. He's done uh, fairly well. He's done Jerry, Jerry Garcia estate stuff. He's done Beatles estate stuff. Um, Ferris Bueller, he did some stuff for that. He did Charlie Brown amongst other things as well. And um, talks a little bit about his experiences getting to know Panic, um, me trying to introduce introduce Panic to him on a road trip in the summer of 1997, hmm. um, which I find to still be a humorous anecdote. And then getting hooked up with the band and then seeing them a few times um, in California when he, uh, San Francisco and Oakland and then seeing him at Red Rocks. And so we play a few clips of, from some of Mark's favorite, uh, favorite shows um, that coincide with some posters um, that, that he has done. So one of the coolest things, one of it started like I knew Mark was really popular, obviously, and his, his artwork was really highly sought after, but, it was really weird to go on to his website, uh, M-A-R-Q, Mark uh, Spusta, S-P-U-S-T-A.com, Mark Spusta.com, plus on Facebook and so on. So and uh, Instagram, Spusta Studio, um, to go on the comment section of his website and see people that I used to trade panic tapes with in the comment section of his website, <laughs> most notably Haney Jones, nice. um, which was like, whoa. I mean, one, it was like, Haney Jones, I hadn't thought about him in a long time. I was like, wow, Haney still listens to Panic? Wow, he's really into posters? Um, so that was kind of cool to see to see that. And uh, and Mark has had a really good relationship with the Panic community. And he's in the Panic uh, poster artwork book. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. he's right up there with Jeff Wood and um, uh, Chuck Sperry, JT. JT, and some of the other ones that have done some really great work. Yeah. And it's just remarkable to me how... As big as Panic was, you know, I shouldn't speak, as popular as Panic was 
you know, mid nineties and the whole time we were seeing them a bunch and then on through the aughts, how long it took the poster artist stuff, the posters show mm. individual show posters to catch up with that. Yeah. Um, Cause I so, so rarely remember seeing individual show posters at um, for sure at the official merch table, the band did those really terrible ones, which I have all of them, I think for Halloween. And then they did one for Thanksgiving 98, which was really kind of cheesy. Um, but the, and then uh, some of JT stuff and then um, the space wrangler poster from four seventeen ninety nine was the first one that I got. Uh, but there really wasn't a lot of them. And then it's really been within the last decade or a little bit more than that, where they've really become part of that scene and um, that whole industry has really taken off. And now instead of seeing people with fanny packs and backpacks full of taper gear, you see people with Lucite uh, poster sling, poster tubes slung over their shoulders. And they're getting to shows that they're getting to shows before the gate opens, not to get prime taping spots, but to be able to stake out a spot so I can get the, uh, the silver variant of a, uh, of a, of a poster that Mark or Chuck or Jeff Wood did. Yeah. So, um, so I'm excited to, to I haven't actually listened to the interview yet. So I'm excited to hear it with the, with the people as they hear it's pretty it. Good. So, yeah. And, um, but we've also got our sweet 16. So we, I'll just sort of run down our results here, uh, as we, um, very few, very few upsets, really. I mean, I guess really the only one was the nine over the eight. That's all we've had the whole bracket. So wow. we'll see if that changes. Um, in the first, uh, the first, I guess, quarterfinal matchup, uh, Huntsville four three ninety six defeated Pelham Alabama seven twenty nine oh one sixty six to thirty four, and then. The matchup that everybody thought was going to be a close one, or at least Jeff hoped, was the four seed uh, Louisville <laughs> five seven ninety seven defeated Carbondale twelve one two thousand uh, sixty three to thirty seven. So uh, that one wasn't really all that close. And then uh, uh, the three seed was uh, Halloween ten twenty eight two thousand against the six seed Boulder Colorado one twenty ninety six. Uh, the sit and ski, and that was the biggest blowout of the quarterfinals, sixty nine to thirty one. Yeah. And uh, I think maybe you you were uh, exposed to uh, to sit and ski bias for the first time ever uh, as you as you watched the results. I know. I was yeah. de- uh, that that one actually the the Carbondale one wasn't surprising, um, but the the the. Uh, I think Boulder would have put up a better better fight. Yeah, than, the spread uh, on the uh, the the Boulder one was was pretty was pretty massive. Yeah, and that maybe I mean maybe you know maybe it's that 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 New Orleans show is is you know there it's the trendy pick now in Vegas coming in uh, as the three seed <laughs> uh, coming off a big big win in the quarterfinals and uh, it will take on. Uh, Myrtle Beach five five ninety nine, which defeated uh, twelve thirty one ninety seven from the Fox, uh, and that was our closest matchup fifty seven to forty three. I was kind of surprised that that one was as close as it was. I would have thought that uh, Myrtle might have, uh, you know, he had a little more success. But I think there's a lot of fond memories from that ninety seven run. So uh, so yeah, so our semifinal matchups: Huntsville ninety six against Louisville ninety seven. 
and then uh, 1028 2000 against 5599. So um, interesting matchups. You got a couple, uh, you know, mid 90s spring sort of random night shows, and then you've got uh, two night two of three night run, you know, sort of mm. big stand shows. So, uh, so what do you, are, you, are you going to weigh in with a prediction? Are you uh, are you going to be Kirk Herb Street and you can just offer uh, some insight instead of a prediction? Um, I think my prediction is uh, Huntsville and and New Orleans. Ooh. I think that's my prediction. I think I, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I think I'm. Gonna, I think that's going to be my choice. I would probably go. Man, it's tough. Huntsville and Louisville is a tough call. I don't know how you. How it's like picking a favorite child. Um, no, I can do that right now if I have to. Yeah, <laughs> a child or a show? Which one? <laughs> I don't know. But, Just, I'm leaving it open ended. You can. You can. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, so we'll open that up and vote on Twitter or Facebook, and uh, and you know, make your voice heard. Be interested to see how this runs down because I think these are. I mean, this is the the creme de la creme. So uh, yeah, I think um, I think of the four of the four. I think you're right. I think it'll be New Orleans and Huntsville. Um, but I think of performance wise, I think I think we do have the two best performances, first and second, um, in terms of the band. Just that notch up from mm-hmm. you know, there's. There's mesh, there's good shows, there's great shows, and then there's like next level from there. And I think all the sixteen that we have are great, but I think those those are those two, and I think Louisville is probably just a, a, a scotch notch back, below, yeah. notch below. But um, just listening to that Huntsville show, especially if you get the reissue, if you've gotten the uh, multi track, or you can stream the multi track online and then the myrtle beach show the audience tapes are awesome Mm -hmm. um there's just there's something next level happening with those two shows so i think those are the two best performances but i agree i think it will be a a huntsville new orleans which is a great i think it's a perfect a perfect finale if that's what it ends up being like you said the random the random uh tour show Mm -hmm. spring tour show but do you know what, what day of the week that Huntsville show was? I'm looking was? at it right now. April 3rd, 1996. Uh, what, what day of the week is that? It's a Wednesday. Okay. It's a Wednesday. Um, no, <laughs> no that, Wednesday, that Wednesday night heat. Um, so, yeah, we have a Wednesday in the middle of a fall tour, in the middle of a spring tour, but surrounded by other great shows, obviously. Um and then you've got uh, one of one of the legendary runs, the, the the big special event shows where the band always tends to step up. So I think you've got, I think we've got a good uh, good pair. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, uh, we, have, we haven't gotten we haven't gotten there yet. Well, you know. Um, hey, did you know so that yeah. May seventh, nineteen ninety seven, was a Wednesday? So what's all this about a Sunday show? Never miss a Wednesday show. People. Never miss a Wednesday show. <laughs> I mean, for real. I'm trying to think if I've ever been to a show on I'm a Wednesday. I'm just saying. I 
I think I have been to a show on a Wednesday. I think Champagne 2000 was a Wednesday. Let me look. That would be really awesome if it was. It oh, it was a, it was a Wednesday. There you wow. go. Because <laughs> I had to miss Bloomington on the twenty eighth because of an exam, and then thirtieth uh, was Murrah, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Shouts to John Morant for trying to get the city of Murrah to take down and Murrah State to take down their Confederate statue. Um, and uh, yeah, and then Carbondale was on a Friday, so a Friday night uh, tour closer, which is an, which is also really interesting too yeah yeah um for fall 2000 so anyways there you go wednesday night heat i think that's our news i think that that should be our new series we should do wednesday (laughs) Wednesday night shows i'm game that sounds great let's find a wednesday a random wednesday show that's on fire and that'll be our well the next one will be the the reveal of the of the final matchup and i think we're gonna have a, a special guest for that night too so That'll be the next show, but then maybe the one after that, we can do a Wednesday night show. Just looking at fall 2000, so Wednesday night shows, Champaign the 29th, Asheville the 22nd, and then Laramie Mm -hmm. the 15th. Um, The 8th, I think, is uh, Eugene, Oregon. Um, But how random that they would play like it is. How random that they would play every Wednesday. Yeah. (laughs) That's really funny. And then uh, the 24th, October 24th, is the Sunrise Florida show, which honestly I can't. No, sorry, 25th. That's Gainesville, I think, which is a pretty good show. Oh, sorry, St. Petersburg, uh, which I can't say I've ever listened to. So there you go. That might be our random Wednesday show, 1025 2000. Um, what about, um, what, what's the June 1996? I don't know. I've got the like. Google I'm just did, doing Google searches for 1996 um, calendar. So June, June 5th. I don't think there was a, was there a show on June 5th. Yeah, St. Paul, Oregon. Oh yes, man, that shows. Oh, that shows fire. Well, there you um, go. I think we've got this. The 619 is Detroit, and then 626 is the second night tips. of tips. Yeah, yeah. Man. So, and then fall tour 10:30 is Cleveland. Yeah. Ten sixteen is Jackson. Ten nine is Vanderbilt. Yeah, uh, so. Well, geez, this is a this is like a thing now. We just, <laughs> just a, like I a, think that's they call that a Pandora's box. I think we call, we've just opened up the box. I'm just gonna jump forward to ninety seven and see what we got. Never miss May a, We have to make a t shirt that says "Never miss a Wednesday show." <laughs> Never miss a Wednesday show. I think that that should be our next bluest tape shirt. <laughs> I think that's a fantastic idea. Um, um, well, very good. I think we've, I think we've really hit on something. I'm going to call this day a win. Okay. Yeah. Finish on a strong point. So, um, okay. So those are your matchups. Huntsville 96 against Louisville 97, the two Wednesday shows, and then 1028, 2000 against five, five 99. So vote on those. And, um, we have, uh, we have an awesome interview that we'll, we'll share with you right after this. Um, do we have any? Do we have any music to play for the people? I mean, it can be something. It doesn't necessarily have to be. Be panic. Is there something fitting for the era that we live in? Oh God! Um, I um, mean, you know, you, you, but what's what's the best? None of us are free of all time. Oh, uh, we're playing. None of us are free. It's on Mark's. Uh, ep- it's on Mark's episode. Uh, Mark. Okay. Like the first show he went to was when the 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 show that Solomon Burke had in. So we actually played so, that. 
So you've got to listen to the interview so you can hear hear the cues, Harvey, or okay. the, add the music. I'm sorry. Yes, I do. Okay, so that's going to be played during the interview, and then, um, okay, and then anything for for our for our uh, end of the show. I don't know. We should play some of that guy. Play something from that guy, Jason Isbell. He seems to be pretty popular these days. Yeah. Do you like that record? Do you like the new record, Harvey? I haven't really, to be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time with it. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it was interesting to read his interview about how, you know, the sort of challenges of his personal life and relationship and, and uh, recording it. Yeah. I enjoyed the last, was it the last line of the interview or something like she'll be, she's an adult. She'll be okay. <laughs> something, like, <laughs> something like that. Like, wow, man. Yeah. He's awesome. <laughs> okay well thanks everybody for joining us sorry that it's taken so long um you know i'm sure you understand <laughs> um and um you know we're uh 2020 is something else and um Man, got a ways to go yet there's a written, you know we got we got uh we got protests in the streets. We got pandemic. We got a presidential election. Yep. Whew. So vote and uh, Black Lives Matter. What? Anything else? Uh, you know, I think it's been a um, it's been an interesting past few weeks, uh, and I will say I've been pretty uh, surprised at the speed at which. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I talked to, I talked to a coworker right as, right as the protest started. And she said, um, you know, that it's, they've been doing this before and, you know, like we've been protesting this obviously for a long fucking time. Um, we haven't, you know, people have, um, and she was like, she was lamenting the fact that the me too movement was able to actually get, you know, movement on, uh, and, and that the sort of race argument hadn't had any, uh, hadn't gotten that, but now standing here, you know, three weeks later, I think that, you know, this, there has actually been some movement, which is I great. I think so too. Um, um, you know, I think it's been, there's a lot of factors that go into that. I think the, the violence of the George Floyd murder, um, and then the one over this past weekend in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and Breonna Taylor. The fact that, um, you know, I always, my, my, my friends that have worked in politics and, 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 have, and I have always used people like my parents as a gauge mm-hmm. for things like this, meaning mm-hmm. I know it's really resonating if my dad, one, if my dad brings it up in conversation, and two, if he says certain things. And he was like, he didn't, he didn't, not that my dad would ever defend a murder by any stretch of the imagination, but he was just like, straight up, it's like, that's terrible. Like that, literally one of the worst things ever. I don't know what these guys are doing. Why do they have to do that? And those folks that basically have every right to be upset and, you know, I support their, support this, this movement, this protest. Um, and I think it is okay to support that i think it's okay and but it's also to not be okay 
supporting violence towards others and and looting and various other things too. You can have a both and. That that Venn diagram is, is it exists. There's a space between those two circles. Um, And it's been really interesting here in Memphis, considering where we were four years ago with Black Lives Matter and shutting down the I-40 bridge and the city really being on edge to this year, which was everything has been, there's been protests, you know, a number of nights in a row, but everything has been really pretty low key. um, And there's been some really good, some really good stuff that's come out of it. And the people are, 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 are doing, doing, saying the right thing. So it's really been cool as opposed to my hometown of Madison, which of course is a city with a rich history of protests. Um, but the, when they protested on state street, then they had the, well, the first weekend they had a protest and everything was cool. And then all of a sudden, like it just went off the rails and they started breaking windows and looting businesses along state street um but they looted um some long time independent locally owned businesses that have given back a lot to the community um and that was that really bothered me but more so what was the interesting thing was the people that were doing most of the looting and most of the breaking of things were sort of um shall we say, not your typical Black Lives Matter protesters. Right. Um, there's a lot of college-aged girls. And oh, spe- are they? But they're in they're Antifa, right? Yeah, they're Antifa. Specifically one from my hometown, who mm. I won't mention her name, but her, if you look up, look, <laughs> she was, uh, if you did a Google search um, for her name, which I won't tell her name, but if you did a Google search for her name, uh, on the Sunday, it's happened on Saturday night. Basically, she was on film kicking out a store window. Hmm. And she's this tiny little suburban girl. Um, kicked out a window um, and got caught on film. And then she was arrested last week, actually, for doing for, for, for it. But if you searched her name, she was the second hit on Google with that first name after a, an Olympian. And I think I'm... I think it was the Olympian, her, and then I forget who the third person was. It was like it was like a model or an actress or something like that. It was like that is the amount of account that is basically reinforcing you can't get away with anything anymore. Yeah, <laughs> and right. Like they found somebody knew her, put her name on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Her name ended up. I mean, I had friends texting me Sunday morning. It's like, do you know so and so from your hometown? Well, she did this, and then I get the video. It's like, oh man. So anyways, I'm digressing, but it, um, it's, it gives you hope that things can get better and that we can find some common ground on some of this stuff. And so hopefully we can, and we will, and hopefully we can make some real change happen. Um, but I think in order to make some real change happen, we're going to need to get out and vote and make sure that we get the right people in office, uh, starting in 2021. Yeah. And just, you know, listen to each other, honestly. Like, I feel like that's the biggest thing is that, that hasn't happened recently. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's okay if we have different opinions, but we can, we can hear each other. And, and if the thing that you're doing is hurting somebody else, then that, then that matters. Even if you don't think that it should, the fact that it does makes it, makes it important. So. Do you uh do you guys have Antifa problems in Lexington, Harvey? 
<laughs> or, or sorry, not Lexington in in, uh, in Midway. In Midway. No, uh, no. You don't have no. an organized. You don't have a chapter that organizes organizes meetings every Wednesday. Yeah, you know what we did in Midway in in our little liberal bastion here in Central Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We made Juneteenth <clears throat> a city holiday. Nice. That's awesome. So yeah. Very so cool. step step by step here. In, so what uh, do you, are you, is there anything happening then on uh, Juneteenth on Friday? Um, I'm sure there is. I just saw it today on Facebook that the city, you know, made the proclamation that they were making it a, a city holiday. So that's cool. Yeah. Very good. Um, well, everybody, right. well, take care. Th- yeah, there. and you know, thanks for for listening to us, and uh, I hope you enjoy Jeff's conversation with Mark Spusta, and we've got some good music to play during that and after that. And then we'll be back uh, hopefully pretty soon with our uh, our finals matchup and um, and maybe a conversation with a with a friend of the pod. So we'll uh, we'll be back soon and um, you know take care of each other and uh, you know we'll we'll get through it. We'll be there and uh, the music music helps helps find our way. So you got to keep listening to it, Jeff. That's right. All right, we'll talk to everybody later. Thanks. All right, welcome into episode whatever we, this ends up being of the Bluest Tape. Uh, this is Jeff Colath, uh, and we have a very special guest uh, here with us today. Somebody that I can say that I've known for I think at least thirty-five years, which I think makes me feel old, but also I think is the sign of uh, somebody who I can call a true friend. And that's my good friend from from back home in Wisconsin, who's now lives out on the West Coast in California, one of the country's and if not world's um, premier. Started off as doing concert posters, but is uh, become just a fantastic fine artist and, and printmaker. And that's Mr. Mark Spusta. Mark, how are you today? Jeff, uh, great to connect with you. I'm great. I'm going to just say I'm not a printmaker. People do that for <laughs> me. Really sloppy. Paper. So, um, <laughs> so what should we call you? Artist. You're just yeah, artist, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Not a printmaker. Um, I'm, I have people make my prints. I love making <laughs> prints, which was inspired through the concert posters. It's fun to be able to talk to you about all this stuff, having known you for so long and... Um, you know, music being such a connection between our, our friendship through the years and kind of discovering a lot of these bands that I've worked for together. Um, so, yeah, this will be fun. So, yeah, that's obviously one of the things I want to talk to you about because, you know, we've, we've listened, been listening to a lot of the same music for a long time. But uh, how are you guys holding up out there in California with all this stuff going on in the world? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so we're we're good. Uh, we're homeschooling our seven-year-old Mabel. My three-year-old is home. Um, Dawn's been working at home and helping me with my business. And I'm a stay-at-home artist. So as the world kind of is like, oh my gosh, we're like home. I'm kind of sitting here like, oh, you guys are freaking out about the life I live normally a little bit. <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But uh, yeah, we're we're safe. We're happy to be in California. We, I I like the choices our state is making. I feel, um, we're a little ahead of the curve at just knowing what we should do as, as a state Mm -hmm. and as residents. Um, so I don't mind. We were, we were the first County in lockdown. Um, and, uh, you know, the first state in lockdown. So whenever this gets 
played. We're just a couple days into that. Um, mm-hmm. That was last night that our whole stake got locked up. So that's, that's yeah, we're yeah. we're recording this on Friday, March twentieth. So we're not going to say anything. We're not going to talk about anything that happened today because, as we noted earlier before we started recording, it's probably just going to change anyway. But just to give you guys a little context of uh, of where we are. Um, you're coming and off a pretty type of a, a catastrophe or epidemic for us to finally do this podcast that we've been talking yeah. about for, <laughs> for, a like, for a year. Yeah. Um, well, you're coming off a pretty substantial project that you just knocked out, which I hope this isn't the case, but is probably one of the last oh, major arena shows that is going to be going to have taken place. And that you did the artwork for the brothers at Madison Square Garden uh, on, on March 10th. And if y'all um, haven't seen his artwork, please go to marksboosted.com, check him out on all the socials. And, uh, and so you can see this amazing piece of work, which is inspired a little bit, it looks like, by the Eat a Peach uh artwork that wonder graphics did way back in 1972 man i was delighted by how many people knew that reference i mean it's there's not many gatefolds you can open and you know do a take on some crazy artwork inside that everybody's gonna know but oh my gosh did people come out of the i i thought that reference might be lost on most it was not yeah it's cool that was cool people know that gatefold people spent time with that for sure Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot happening in that uh, gatefold, and yeah. I had a I had a sky blue tie dye with like most of that uh, artwork oh, on nice. it at one point in time. Nice. I think I still have it. Nice. Um, I'm checking. I know I do, but I just remember it had like a there's that image of like a naked woman riding a frog or something like that. Oh yeah, I think in the in the stuff. So like I have that on the shirt, which I remember thinking I was all you know subtly cool because I had that on there. But um, did you have talk the mushroom about that guys, process. Um, thing hanging out yes yes for sure for <laughs> i sure. had my poster a little bit I, I didn't go that direction but thank god um, that gig happened man that was one of the last ones i i feel bad for all my people uh in the music industry and in gig posters the gig poster artists the printers man sure. it, it's rough i i got my last poster out and did not actually have a ton on the calendar uh by choice i'm working on some other things so I uh, mean, I, I kind of got off easy, but I, I feel really bad for the industry and I look forward to seeing um, how we can creatively kind of uh, rebirth from this. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're really well connected to a lot of the West Coast musicians in and around San Francisco, a lot of those smaller, um, smaller bands that play like, you know, I know you're close with Chris Robinson and some of those and some of the offshoots of all the things that Chris does and plus a lot of other bands like Holland Rain and and stuff like that. So I'm sure they're probably looking for wondering when they're going to be able to get back and play some gigs again too. Yeah, yeah. Dave Schools just um, finished up hosting uh, some uh, recording sessions for Neil Casal's tribute album. That was oh, yeah, sure. the time I saw musicians together in California. That was, I don't know three days ago or something like that. He had uh, guys from circles around the sun and him and um, Mm -hmm. uh, Beachwood Sparks guys and some other people pulling in more musicians. But yeah, beyond that now, it seems like all those guys are kind of holed up or just recording as duets with their wives or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, it's sort of like the uh... bedroom type albums come out of this period. 
Yeah, I mean, people will still be able to make music because obviously the industry, you don't need to go into a studio with uh, with, a, with your whole band anymore to make a record. You can no. Somebody can record in their kitchen and somebody else can record in their living room and somebody can record in their garage and you can make a record out of it. So um, what? Uh, so the, you did the Brothers, the Brothers poster. And I guess this is sort of a larger question, you know, about, of course, one of the things I wanted, I'm curious about is how, how did they find you? How did they reach out to you? Obviously, you're incredibly well known, but you know, when you got started doing this, you know, um, working with some of these bands, I guess like 15 years ago now, um, you know, how did that all start? Like, you know, for talk about how you got into working with a lot of these bands, you know, you worked with the Crows early on, and then obviously how that built up towards eventually working for Panic. How did that all get going for you? Sure. All right. This is um, a little long-winded, maybe, so you, you might want to interject or help me along the way, but I'll try to stand. <laughs> uh, you know, I do kind of know the path kind of specifically. Um, maybe that's unique for artists um, that I, I kind of see exactly where things flowered from. In a way, I got some early opportunities that... Um, I was super excited about and they worked out for me and it got my name out there to more and more people. So I did a children's book with Ben Harper's brother. Um, That's right. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. I illustrated the pictures. Um, Joel wrote it. Um, and we, we, uh, hang on a second. I got kids coming in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh put them on put them on the, on yeah, the pod yeah they might they, they might hear you. um <laughs> and that book did well we got we got it off the ground i think just about the time i was finishing it up ben harper got mark ford as his guitarist mark ford of course i think panic mm. people would know him i assume he's played with panic guested sometimes mm-hmm. maybe not um mark ford of the black crows uh, but th- at this time, the Black Crows were totally disbanded. So, um, you know, I, I didn't have anything in the music industry. I went to school for graphic design. I went to college for graphic design with kind of this passion um, for gig posters and weird, surreal art, but really had no venue for that um, in rural Wisconsin. Um, but then <laughs> Not I, a lot of shows coming to Menominee, uh, right? What's that? <laughs> Menominee. Not a lot of shows coming to Menominee now. Yeah. No, no. Or Wanakee. Or, you know, <laughs> maybe Madison. But uh, um, then Mark Ford saw my art through that, through that book, and through, you know, being in Ben's band. And Ben Ben was really supportive of, of our project. And um, and Mark, I don't know. He, I think he really liked my stuff. Now, Joel probably pushed it more than I realized. Joel... Um, has always been a real good advocate for me and my art um, with a lot of cool people. He's done, he's done books with like Taj Mahal since um, Laird Hamilton was involved in ours. He's got some cool collaborations and projects out there. A lot of environmental books or, um, you know, about music and finding music. Um, So uh, Mark kind of pitched me to the Black Crows when they reunited with that great lineup with Eddie Harsh and Mark and, Everybody and the Black Crows, as you know, Jeff. I mean, you were giving me. I would come over and get like five Black Crows tapes from me, and I'm like, "All right, yeah, I'll take a Panic too." Um, but I was, <laughs> I was always about getting the Crows, uh, and they just really took me under their wing. Kind of connected with a lot of the guys in the band and management, and just I love them. 
I just love that band and and I love their iconography. I love the artists they work with before me. Um, and so Alan all Forbes is the main, the main one, right? That they worked Alan with Forbes before. Is the main one. Um, I remember he had that grits and gravy EP or, you know, maxi single or whatever it was. That was mm-hmm. a really cool Alan Forbes illustration. Uh, he did the original shake your moneymaker one, but at that time, I mean, he was barely a professional artist. That was like his first. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really got yeah. better. Uh, Mike Wilmot did some really cool stuff for them where like high as the moon. Um, I, I just feel as a band, that band had a really strong imagery um, growing up. And I really liked that about them. I liked, I liked all their stuff. It was psychedelic American um, kind of druggy, kind of loose, real <laughs> rock and roll and funny, you know, like drunk crows and, you know, that kind of stuff. So I loved it. And I embraced it working for them. I think that job got me a job at the Fillmore in San Francisco when I moved out here onto the West Coast. Um, I, that was like the only thing in my portfolio to get the fil- to get the Fillmore gigs was like I've done Black Crow stuff, and here's my other. So weird. you did the was this before? When, I forget. When did you move to California? Oh, I've been here for oh, oh four or oh five. Uh, oh, five sounds about right. Oh, five. Um, okay. my first Crows gig was their Madison Square Garden show with um, My Morning Jacket. Oh, yeah, New Year's Eve. That's oh, right. five or six, I think. That's right. Yeah, I don't know yep. cheat in front of me. I should for this. Yeah, it is oh, five or six. Yeah, I really looked up all my panic posters like and the dates so because <laughs> I, I'm really bad at the dates of like shows and stuff, which is funny because I'm. My job is to like, you know, memorialize them. Um, <laughs> and then, and then from there, and then from the Fillmore, uh, Panic was pretty one of my one of the first bands to hit me up. Really, I, I, I don't know. Oh no! Wait, 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 wait! I forgot a big one. I forgot Dinosaur Junior. Mm, um, yeah, and that's that's probably why I work for Panic, actually. So I, I, I started working, f- I did the Dinosaur Junior Farm album cover. Um, the guy who manages that band, I just got connected with him early and he was really receptive to my work, even though I was just starting out. And I got that opportunity to do that Dinosaur Junior album cover. And I actually showed them a drawing I had and they said, let's do it. And, you know, they were having a reunion and it was exciting and mm-hmm. that got me a lot of attention, but uh, Dave School's manager is the same manager as Dinosaur Jr. Still is. Ah, there um, you go. And Jay, Jay Maskett from Dinosaur Jr. is good friends with David Schools. Um, mm-hmm. So that has to be how it happened. Uh, <laughs> I so I want to ask you a question about the Crows. Um, yeah. Because you did the stage backdrop for their 2006 summer tour that they did with Drive-By Truckers and yeah. Robert Randolph and the Family Band, which I think yeah. I saw like four, three or four shows on that tour. Nice. Um, and that was sort of like Truckers at their peak, Crows like coming back to, you know, after being, you know, this they had been back together for about a year at that point. Everybody seemed to be at least from a distance getting along, um, yeah. but the yeah. shows were the shows were great. Um, but you know, I, I 
sent you a text last week because I saw when I saw your brother's artwork and obviously the connection between your brother's artwork and that crow's piece from 14 years ago ah. is you you are the world's foremost illustrator of psychedelic mushroom mark so I mean yeah yeah I, I guess clear at this point and and now that I live where I live um we just walk up the hill and if you look at my Instagram you'll see every season and I, I'm I'm waiting to see if they come up this year. The rains have done a little. Well, they came up already. I'm waiting to see if we get another crop. Probably not. But we get all the Amanita, Muscaria mushrooms up here. And they're huge. And they're crazy. Um, and oh, that, wow. Okay. That's kind of what I illustrated on um, uh, the the brother's artwork. Uh, the crows mm-hmm. was more like kind of glowing mushrooms from some space or some weird land. <laughs> I've probably drawn more than a ton of Chris Robinson artwork. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you an annoying question. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this annoying question. And it, it is basically, it's like, it's. I mean, again, I've known you for 35 years, and so you know, I've seen your, I've seen your artwork we progress from like. We've known each other since we were like six or seven. Yes. Uh, I mean, I, I remember you taught me how to draw a crocodile when I was like uh, a crocodile Dundee when I oh, was yeah, like, so uh, we were like in fourth grade or something like that. Oh, that's, um, funny. But, that's funny. But, uh, but obviously I've seen your work progress. And I mean, obviously you've always been one of the most creative people I know, if not the most creative person I know. Um, but it's, it's, I got to ask the question, like, where does this stuff come from, Mark? I feel like this is like the hard hitting, like journalistic. Where does this, where does this stuff come from, Mark? (laughs) You know, I I get asked this from time to time. All right, Gloria, I'll let you. And um, (laughs) I I probably answer it very different every time because I don't know if I really know. Um, um, Obviously, a bunch of it comes from my influences. So, you know, mm-hmm. I'm influenced by a lot of current artists. Um, I was really influenced in the early aughts by, like, the Pose Magazine, Mark Ryden, illustrators like um, that, uh, painters like that, more fine artists, kind of surreal, mm-hmm. pop surrealism, modern surrealism. I love the old posters. But then as a kid, I mean, I loved... Dr. Seuss and Garfield more than I should have when other people were into like G.I. Joe and stuff. Um, I was kind of always into those type of fun, strange characters. Um, Man, I look back at my old sketchbooks, you know, when I go home, I did this recently and I'm looking at work I did when I was 18 and I'm like, I I don't know, these are kind of the same ideas. Like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of stayed in my head. It's evolved as I've become professional and done this nonstop, I've become more fluent in my craft. But um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe the seed was like always kind of planted in my head. And, um, um, you know, it just comes out. I try to spend a lot of time in nature, a lot of time with my kids, a lot of time being inspired um, Mm -hmm. from Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I sit down, um, if I'm even distracted with the kids or not, if I'm really in a headspace and I can just draw stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I do that live for people um, at my shows and experiences. Uh, uh, yeah. And um, I don't know. I can't always draw it great, but you know, I don't use a ton of reference. I just try to draw out of my head. 
I really uh, like your the Instagram things you do with your son where you're I think you did one the other day was like a Minecraft drawing challenge or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah we're, we're keeping I it. think those are I think those are really great. So All right, I'll post um, our Lego setup next. I, I know oh, nice. today, but ours is out of control. Um so you talked about you talked about panic a little bit. So Obviously, I would. I didn't start listening to Panic until I went to college, and I, you went to UW Stout, you know, two two hours north of where I went when UW Lacrosse, and I didn't see Panic until fall of '96. So by I didn't know you were in yeah. almonds in high school then, right or no? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like mildly to terribly obsessed, you know, basically from the time I was like 17 until basically yeah. I started going to see Panic shows. Yeah. Um, but 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 by summer of 97 i had started to really collect a bunch of panic and was starting to listen to it a little bit more and we went on a road trip together uh to minnesota to go i think it was to go to my then girlfriend's like cabin or like trailer or something like that in Minnesota. But then you had a friend that you went to stout with that you were going to be able to see. So you came with me yeah. and we took this road trip and we got off the beaten path for some reason. And I don't know why we did this, but we got off the beaten path. We were driving through like this countryside of, you know, the Kickapoo Valley and like up there, the coolies up there, you know, East of lacrosse before we got back on the interstate and I had a blue uh, Pontiac Grand Am at that time, and it had a tape player in it. But the tape player, it the auto reverse was busted. So all I remember was I made you listen to Widespread Panic in the Grand Am, driving to Minnesota to go see my then girlfriend. And it was the show. I can even remember the show. It was uh, oh seven eighteen ninety five. Um, but I remember it was, you got tired of it because it kept flipping the whole time. So like, we could never like listen to it for more than like two or three minutes at a time. So you did, oh. one of us had to hold the tape in oh, God. to the auto, so the auto reverse wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't kick it over. So oh, that God. was, you know, I feel like that was the first time we probably listened to panic together. Um, oh, and really? now that you just turned it. Yeah. Now that you just finished the thing for the brothers, it's like you've done, now you've done artwork for pretty much every band I think I've ever really, really liked, <laughs> you know, from the dead, obviously you've done dead and company stuff, you know, panic and, uh, and, uh, my morning jacket, the crows and so on and so forth. So, you know, you came to panic, obviously a little bit more intensely once Dave reached out to you and you did some, you did some posters. And so the earliest poster I have of yours that you di did for them was I think spring of 08, you did a poster for a run they did in Chicago. Um, yes. Yeah. Which I, I think that's your first poster that you did. So when you, when you're doing in the last time you did a poster for panic, uh, was I think the Milwaukee run of 18. Yeah. So I guess a year and a half ago now. Yeah. So, you know, there's been times when you've asked me to, and of course what I found ironic about, like you getting really in, engaged with the band and doing posters was at a time when I completely had nothing to do with the band. I know. <laughs> you know because I, I didn't listen to them at all. Yeah. And we've gone over that throughout the first 100 episodes on this uh, podcast. Um, it's really been, and you, I know you haven't listened to all of these, Mark, but really it's been this evolution and it's almost therapy for me to like talk through my issues with um, Panic 3.0. But um, I needed to try to convince you to get back. Like, Jeff, come on. 
They're, you they're did. Good. Yeah, like, you were good. You know they're good. Like, stop holding on to the past and go out and have a good yes. time. And um, I have text messages probably from you saying that. So when you started doing work for the band, I guess, 08, but also, um, you know, later, you know, and I guess this goes for any band that you're working with, especially a band that maybe you don't know that well. Like, what's your process like? I mean, how how deep do you, are you going? Do you ask for content from the band? Do you ask, or, ask for content from friends? Put stuff out on any of your socials and say, you know, got any idea got any tips like how do you how do you come at it what do you try to listen to or how much do you try to listen to um i'm real tight-lipped about it i might have told you hey i got a call from panic but you were probably like the only person. you told me yeah yeah um but norm over the years i i've found that the the more tight-lipped i am the the better off the gig will unfurl if if mm-hmm. i like kind of i don't know let the cat out of the bag a little bit things things mm-hmm. like it just seems like things go wrong and then the poster doesn't actually happen and then i have to explain myself or something mm. so um i stay tight-lipped i don't say hey everybody give me ideas or anything um mm-hmm. i i spent with panic um you know i work with so many great live bands that um i can just put on shows and i i often do it as a marathon like i gotta get some work done on this poster i better be able to draw for as long as this band can play you know i'll put on like (laughs) marathon it out with that show um Mm -hmm. and uh you know my first concepts for panic maybe didn't have um i mean maybe they could have been for other bands i mean maybe they weren't as tied in i feel like over time maybe i got more tied in as i learned the bands more or learned about the band more and, and became part of their visual legacy myself um, mm-hmm. a lot of times I study what, um, what the band had done before or posters that kind of stand out to me. So I think my second poster for panic was, um, the LA one. And that one is actually kind of inspired about by an earlier panic poster with that kid with the slingshot. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I think Billy, did Billy Perkins do it? I forget who did that one um some early poster of theirs but there's a kid with a slingshot so i put him in this poster with this huge cyclops and he's gonna you know shoot, mm-hmm. shoot this slingshot at the cyclops so he's a subtle part of the next poster but um i always spend a lot of time with the artwork that's been done for the band kind of see what's been done what cool stuff people have inserted that maybe i want to just nod to um but listening mm-hmm. to the music as i'm working on it also gives me a chance to like Oh, I heard, you know, they did, he just mentioned this cool lyric about, I don't have a good panic example now, but like about Sparrow or something. And so I'm going to add that Sparrow mm-hmm. carrying that thing that he mentioned in that lyric. So, um, yeah, it's like part of the job. Um, so some jobs are harder to do that than others. With panic, it's, I do listen to a lot of them when I'm working for them. Um, I did a lot of their stuff. You know, a couple of years I was really busy with them and then I would kind of veer off of it. But I almost stick to it like it's part of my job to listen to these bands when I'm working for them as much as I can tolerate. And with Panic, they have enough songs and, and play diversely enough and good enough that yeah. they do it. So. Um, 
So you mentioned the LA, LA, LA run. And so that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because you went to those shows and what that run is particularly known for is a guest appearance by the great uh, Solomon Burke, um, who's yeah. obviously no longer with us, but the king of rock and soul and one of the greatest soul singers of all time. And he sits in with them on the first night and we're going to play a segment of it here in the second, but second, but did you get a chance to meet the king of rock and soul, Mr. Solomon Burke, when you went to those shows? I did. I mean, I made, I made it a point to, um, and I didn't know uh-huh. he was there. Uh, that was my first time meeting the band. I actually delivered the posters to them. I was living mm. out by Sequoia national park, which was maybe a four hour drive to LA. So I just went solo, met the band for the first time, my second poster with them, and just sat in the audience. You know, I think I had met the band before briefly, given them the posters. They were all cool. I think Dave was probably super nice because he, Dave is like really into the art. Um, I mean, he's like mm-hmm. a collector. He's into poster art. So he's easy to talk to about that stuff. Um, he is not the one who got me the job, though. I said he's the one who connected me. He's not the one that, that like, contacted me or anything that was the first time i met the whole band um and then and okay here's the other thing is like that solomon burke he had a record out at that time and they played a song from it i think the record was called none of us are free is it i forget um i think so it was a a record he was doing of covers of other people's songs van morrison had a song Mm -hmm. a song um i was super into that album that year like really into it. Like it was one of my favorite things that year I was listening to. Uh, so when they, they started yeah. playing it, I was just like, this is so cool. And there comes Solomon Burke. And since I had access and stuff, as soon as he got off stage, I ran back there and just was really gracious to him and talked to him. And nobody else was really kind of spending much time with him because the band was still playing and he was just being uh-huh. supported home, um, you know, by his, uh, lady that helped him into a limo and he was just kind of leaving so i was like the one person mm-hmm. to kind of talk to him after the performance besides maybe a manager or something and yeah. uh yeah that was fun i was like I'm, I'm gonna like doing these gig posters if if it's really like this rock and roll cool this is cool this guy's <laughs> sure. you know? like my first time meeting you know that band and that was the experience so uh, they sounded Did, uh, great, and, and he was cool to meet. He was very gracious and loved his music. Yeah, the funniest, st- you know, obviously the, the work I do, I get to meet a lot of get to meet a lot of folks in the best, still the best experience and the weirdest, oddest experience I've ever had is um, spent sitting in a sitting next to a buffet table with Eddie Floyd and William Bell. Um, after the rest of the party left and went out on the deck and they sat inside and my wife uh, showed, walked through the dessert table with William Bell and told them what everything was and then sat by them. And then we just, I mean, they're both like two of the nicest people that have ever lived, but they also are two very quiet individuals, especially Eddie Floyd. So, but it's just like, you know, we're looking at each other kind of the same thing it's i didn't think i was gonna be sitting next to you guys tonight and i don't have anything i'm not gonna ask you the annoying question so it's like so what do you think of that key lime bar like that's yeah. really good right yeah. <laughs> i mean panic is a lot about food and barbecuing and i mean a lot yeah. of my encounters with them are over meats being grilled and such 
<laughs> Most times when I see baby, he's flipping a patty or something. <clears throat> sure. Well, why don't we? We've talked for nigh on a half hour, so why don't we play a little bit of music? Let's play the version of None of Us Are Free. Hey, I love Panic Playlist. Song again. I have yeah. not heard this in a long time. This version. With uh, with Solomon Burke, uh, June twentieth, two thousand eight, from the Orpheum Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles, California. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure and honor to welcome Mr. Solomon Burke. Thank you. 
All right, that was Widespread Panic, June 20th, 2008, at the Orpheum Theater in Los Angeles uh, with the great Solomon Burke, the king of rock and soul, on the song None of Us Are Free. Um, we're still joined by good friend and, and amazing artist, uh, Mr. Mark Spusta. And uh, Mark, you did, not only have you done concert posters for, for Widespread Panic, but you also did some album artwork too. You did the uh, album artwork for Dirty Side Down, which, God, hard to believe. That was like 10 years ago at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, that was a great project to do with the band. Um, you know, off the bat, I just say like album covers. That's, I don't know, that's those are exciting for me. That's kind of the best gig Mm -hmm. I can get. I I just feel honored to be able to kind of like immortalize that music. And I'm such a fan of other album covers and they stick in my head and it's how I think about music. I mean, I've practically given up on iTunes and I'm a vinyl guy and it's just, it's about like visual identification association Mm -hmm. with with music. Um, I'm, I'm such a fan of it. So the album cover thing, uh, that was pretty exciting to to get that opportunity. Um, that so what's that, well, what's that process really... like? Like, is there a, I mean, are you, are they just saying, go do what you want to do? Are they giving you any sort of direction? Or how are you sending them drafts? How does that work? Because obviously a, a, well, a record uh, or album cover, like you just said, has a sense of a greater sense of permanence than maybe a show poster yeah. does. So I would, you know, the band might not have a ton of in, influence on the, uh, on the show, on the gig poster, but for an album cover, do they have, do they have more say? Oh, thanks for saying all that for me. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're dead on. That, that is very true, especially uh, in the case of widespread panic. Um, I mean, some other bands uh, like Black Crows, Chris Robinson, he, he's coming up with ideas for all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and we're always chatting about it and, coming up with weird stuff but panic mostly sets me free on the posters and you know maybe it's about the city maybe it's about the date uh you know there's some themes uh but when this album cover came about um i don't know how many posters i was in by that time maybe only three and then i got that opportunity and suddenly i had everybody's uh you know from the band in my cell phone um I was talking to different members of the bands at different times. They all had different ideas. (laughs) Um, I remember Sonny kind of like helping bridge the gap between all the ideas. But when you look at um, the artwork for Dirty Side Down, and you'll need to have the record or the CD that you're not going to get all this artwork by looking on, uh, you know, iTunes. Because the gatefold and the back... Um, we're all other people's choices for the cover. Ah, okay. Uh, and the cover that is the cover was really my strongest pitch for the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the inside gatefold um, is JB. That's his art direction. That was something. Um, there's a song on that album called Saint X. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's about, uh, I'm not going to try to say the French. Um, Uh, name but he people call him saint x Mm -hmm. he's the guy who wrote the little prince and uh i i think the story of the little prince i i think this is not necessarily true maybe a little more folklore maybe maybe not but i think um he crashed as a pilot um and wrote the little prince when he was stranded Mm -hmm. from 
crashing his aircraft. So that you can see that that's what that middle spread is about. And it's about the song St. X. And, um, and if y'all don't have the album cover, the CD handy, like I'm looking at right now, I went, I went to discogs and uh, just typed it in and they've got a nice scan of it. So at least you can see a very low res version. So you can look as nice, you know, they also <laughs> used it for tour merch. Now that I think about it. Yeah, and they, um, did. they even used it for, um, uh, admin type mm, promotion okay. for that tour. So they would use like the the illustrated widespread panic I did for the cover, mm-hmm. and then I think we mixed that with that artwork from the middle for some of the tour stuff. Yeah, and then there's a yak yeah. in a shack on the back, <laughs> and I forget you know who really was maybe into that idea, um, but I think somebody else wanted that as the cover, mm-hmm. um, and then um, you know I, to me the cover of Dirty Side Down. Gosh, I forget. I think they came up with the title later and it just fit really well, mm-hmm. that illustration as well. Um, but to me, that I don't know, that kind of felt like I hadn't really heard much of the record, but I, to me, Panic has like this this really grounded, old school roots, Americana, blue collar aspect to them. But then there's also this like psychedelic experience um, of wonder and you know, transcendence and getting into the music and getting lost and thinking of weird things in your head while you're jamming out. And so that's kind of like this, you know, um, butterfly moth thing on top that, you know, mm-hmm. is not real, is real, kind of mixed with this old Americana landscape. And that to me just kind of felt like, I don't know, a nice metaphor for Panic's music. Um, and I guess they, in the end, they, enough of them agreed. I think. I forget who I'm assuming like Dave schools was kind of behind that concept, but that was, it was like kind of a battle between the band of, of what would end up being the cover and what all this artwork was going to be used for. But we jammed a lot of artwork in the one thing. It was great to work with everybody. Um, and then that year I had a pretty fluent year with working with them and kind of taking a lot of the art from dirty side down and uh, extending it through that year. I do want to say a couple other kind of fun little points about the artwork from that. Um, on the back, the yak in the shack, on the back, the shack <laughs> is, I was living in uh, the Sequoia National Park area. I mentioned this before, a little town called Three Rivers. It's a gateway to Sequoia National Park. Real isolated, um, really when my gig poster career started to take off. Um, uh, you know, we were basically living a quarantine life there and I got a lot of time to work. But the the shack on the back is the post office in Three Rivers. Um, not the main one, but there's this other one. And it is the oldest working post office in the United States. Yeah. And it is that shack. And it is in the woods. It is like <laughs> down, it is like on a weird road going into the park or mm-hmm. something. And it's just a cute little working post office. I don't even know why it's working. I think just for the novelty of it, they're bringing packages in and out of there. You can buy mm-hmm. stamps there sometimes. And then um, the truck on the front was um, just down the street from that. I mean, so I, I took like all these photos from the area and uh, kind of was able to incorporate that with my illustrations mm-hmm. in that artwork. Um, I mean, it's definitely so. One of the things that Harvey and I talk about a lot is where panic struggled for a long time was they were not a gig poster band at all. 
when I was seeing them. I shouldn't say it all. <laughs> Rarely were they yeah. a big poster band. There was a couple artists out there, uh, JT Lucchese and David Dean had done a couple. And, you know, so there's a few out there. I'm not saying there's none, but very, very few. And the merch was always, you know, pretty good. They had their standard things that they did. Um, but that really, really took off for sure within the last decade. Um, where now every yeah. every gig has a poster and you know they're working with you they're working with chuck sperry emic and then some of these really great um did i say is it emic did i say it right um, yeah. um yeah. really great artists um and it's so it's like it it's you know we've we've had these love they released a book about it oh about yeah yeah they did the whole book about it yeah, yeah I mean, um but that I, was, I don't have it with me but that's probably mostly filled with new posters i mean that is when <clears throat> they made most but it's uh you know now the jam band scene is I mean it's just the visual aspect of the jam band scene has always been so strong with the dead and you know and in then later fish and panic was a little late to the party but obviously they've they've caught up in a in a, in a big way um so 2010 you did some other posters and you you had the the honor to do um a poster for one of the one of the runs that I think everybody looks forward to every year and that's the Halloween run um, but especially when the Halloween run is in uh, the UNO Lakefront Arena in New Orleans and, yeah. uh, and 2010 yeah. was one of those years and then the Halloween show was on Halloween some years it's not but um, it, but uh, but that's a you know a poster of yours that you know I think you do one of the things I've always loved about your work is you capture the mood of the band or capture the mood of the event really well. Um, you know, I've got obviously some of your stuff hanging in the house. And one of my favorite things is the, uh, um, my morning jacket post Fillmore poster you did with the bear and like a Jack and yeah. like, I just, I love that poster. Anyway, but like Maybe. that was such a awesome, your Halloween poster of that year is so great just because we talk about panic, how one of the reasons why we like it is that it embraces darkness a lot and there embraces yeah, sort yeah. of the evil in a lot of ways. And I thought that that's one of your posters that was like, okay, this is a perfect, perfect visual for what a Halloween show should be. Oh, that's great. That That's a, thank you for that. Uh, I'm glad you feel that way as a panic <laughs> fan. Uh, that's great. Yeah. It worked out really nice. There's a, it's got a gigantic, um, spider web and mm -hmm. spider and in that in the middle of the spider web is is a moth uh but then there's two kids at the bottom kind of looking up at it and um it's kind of the moth from dirty side down and the the posters that year i did summer tour fall tour like summer tour is an oversized caterpillar and there's a bike under a tree and a girl looking at the oversized caterpillars in the tree and then the next one, there's a bunch of huge moths flying around um, uh, a shack with a yak. <laughs> <in> <laughs> uh, and then, and then in the final one, you know, the moth, the moth lands in the spider web, and, and we do have some evil, we have some Halloween, but it just all fit, you know, the concept fit really nice with mm -hmm. the year I had had panic and kind of finishing up with this Halloween show and uh killing off this moth finally. <laughs> it's uh, done yeah. um, 
one of the uh so you did some other posters 11 13 14 15 you did a very cool poster for a vegas run in 15 that was uh inspired oh, yeah. by fear and loathing which is a great totally. great poster and that then was, you uh, did... management gave me that art direction but it oh, was did they? okay I wanted to do that as well yeah so that worked out fun um and then in 16 and 18 you did the posters for the red rocks run um there were other artists that did had, did did some artwork for those runs, I believe, too. But can you talk about you know at least the Red Rocks run in eighteen? You actually went, and had you been to Red Rocks before to see a show, or is that just the first time you saw Panic at Red Rocks? Uh, I went to see the Crows there um, for some reason, thinking my stage setup would be there, which was yes, foolish. The last show of the tour. Red. Yeah, Ada. I don't know why you'd cover Red Rocks with my mushroom glowing mushrooms. <laughs> Uh, but seeing, seeing you know yeah. them there was awesome. Uh, the crows that was that was a long time ago. And then yeah, recently we finally just decided to go see um, widespread. You know, at a place where we've just heard is the place to see them. And um, I've had a lot of experiences with in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is went to school in Colorado, and just seeing like. Uh, that community and they're like you got to come see this show and then um there's a gallery out in denver called further frames and i have been doing work with them and they like to host you know an artist around the time when a band is cut like when panic's coming through there because a lot of people are in town uh so we did a little art show um with kind of my mini prints and framed them all up and had an art show that weekend when all the panic people were in town and um yeah, I got, got to kind of do the whole experience. And uh, by far, my favorite panic ex- – well, I don't know if it was my favorite panic experience because I love that, um, the Solomon Burke night that you played earlier, also being like a, one of the first times I met the band. But I brought my wife, Dawn. She just had a blast. She really like um, – she had seen them before and maybe not gotten it in the same way because – I don't know. Everybody was so into it and the band was playing so great and it was just a party. It was a scene. It was, it was a lot of passion for the music and the band knew it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I hung out with the band after and, um, Ted Rockwell and some other people and they do, they have a big celebration there. I mean, they mm-hmm. know what they got there and how many nights they've sold out there. So mm-hmm. yeah, the energy around it was amazing. And, um, I actually talked to the band. I wanted to do a poster for them for Red Rocks because I wanted to come and do the show. And uh, they already had somebody else doing it. So I did my uh, poster. I, you know, talked to them about it. But I did my poster instead for Conscious Alliance, which mm-hmm. uh, is canned goods or donations um, to, uh, you know, as a food bank uh, to give away these posters at a lot of Colorado events. So we raised a lot of food donations with that poster, and that was that was a great experience seeing seeing them at Red Rocks. They rocked. It was awesome. Um, full, full disclosure: your wife does like fish a lot, if I recall correct. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, we uh and like harvey likes to say there's 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 three dozen fish podcasts but there's only one widespread panic podcast at least at least for now oh, is that true uh, yeah true. <laughs> I think we are and the only one that we know of closed off to present panic too see huh? i'm glad you guys are and you guys used to be closed off to present panic 
Yes. And now and now, now and now we do recaps of every run they do. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. We're right on top of it. Um, well, we're going to close out with uh, a segment from the 2018 uh, Panic Run um, in uh, in in Red Rocks. But you know, one of the things that I you you mentioned one of the when I, I we were talking about this offline. But you know, I like you know go to your website and see what you've been up to lately, and in in terms of your artwork and things and. I would go look at your panic posters and I would look at the comments and I would see all these people who I used to trade tapes with in your, in your comments. And like Harvey and I are both like somewhat savants about like remembering people we traded tapes with. It's just so, Uh, and and, and Harvey's reconnected with a bunch of them on Facebook and I'm not on Facebook, but I, you know, whatever anyway, but it was super funny when I, when I would go on there and be like, Whoa, like this Haney Jones really loves Mark's Mark's work. It's like Haney is responsible for like one third of my, you know, the reason why I have oh, all ninety six and ninety five. Yeah. Haney uh, Oh that's awesome. Haney runs um some of my uh uh like collector groups on Facebook. Stuff I'm not <laughs> really involved with, but like he, that's awesome. He's he's an important guy in my world. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Haney's a great dude. Um yeah. but uh so that that was sort of an eye-opening thing for me too when you started to do this panic stuff it was like you know kind of coming full circle um but i did want to ask you about uh you know you have you have an incredible following for 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 your artwork and 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 gig posters that you do and obviously it's the fine art stuff that you do too um you know but one of the things about well i know i know but i um (laughs) whatever i think it's great so anyway but one of the things that i i think you do a really good job of is you do keep up with your fans a lot and you know both through through social media but also you do a lot of these you do gallery shows and you know you you do drawings for people and that kind of thing so can you just talk a little bit about what it's been like you know interacting with panic fandom over the last 10 plus years since the first gig post you did back in April of 08, all the way up through, um, I guess the last post you did was uh, October of 18, but obviously, you know, the, the posters are still floating around. So what's that been like to become part of sort of this, um, you know, you're, you're part of the family in a lot, in a lot of ways now. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it feels great. It's, it's really, um, you know, every time I work for a band, I get to connect with their group of fans. But Panic, man, when when I first had my first Panic gig, that Chicago poster, that was the first time I experienced, I didn't know this would happen. I made the poster, whatever. It was, I don't know, it probably wasn't my best poster at the time. I probably had six posters under my belt at the time or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe that My Morning Jacket one was under my belt at that time. Um but it was a sellout when I put it on my website. It was the first time I experienced anything like that. Like, oh, I had 50 copies and I put them up and I'm like, Dawn, they just, they're gone. I just sold them. She's like, really? I'm like, yeah, they just sold out like nothing. And uh, man, that relationship with Panic along those lines, along the, the, the fans really being into those posters and just having such a collector base behind them. Um, that 
that got my whole career. I just started thinking about it differently. Hmm. Uh, I think before that, I was kind of like, you know, how do I make enough money from these bands? Like, this is my dream gig. Mm-hmm. But, I, they, you know, you can only pay so much for a merchandise graphic for a shirt. And when it's my passion, passion, passion project, I'm spending too much time on it. And so I needed something to give. I needed like some other successful avenue. Um, and it became selling, you know, versions of the posters on my own. Um, along, you know, like the band sells them out at the show. And then I have so many left over. Um, but then that kind of spilled into me just kind of doing my own prints and evolving that way and being able to invest in, oh, you know, I'll just print my own stuff and sell that. Um, but when I look at my audience now, I, I would assume it might be a guesstimate, but I feel like 30 to 40% of them are widespread panic fans. Hmm. Um, maybe that's overreaching. Maybe it's even underreaching. I don't know. I mean, just to find out Haney used to trade tapes with you and that guy's been a mm-hmm. part of helping my world for a long time. I think there's a lot of people like that. That was one of the first bands I really started to build a huge relationship with. Um, and, you know, all those Panic fans knew who I was in 2010. I was doing tons of stuff for them. So um, I don't know. I mean, widespread Panic might be the reason I'm the artist I am today. They might be the reason I can do this as a freelancer. They certainly mm-hmm. opened up um, doors of me thinking about it and successful sales and building my fan base. Uh, they are the biggest... They're not the biggest band I've worked with, but they they have the most passionate uh, collectors, it seems like, in a way. Yeah. Um, well, that's so. cool. I mean, I think it's a, um, you know, again, like I said, it, how, how much it has evolved um, over the years. Um, and again, to, to think that there's a book of widespread panic poster art. And at this point, yeah, you, you know, 20, 20 years ago, if somebody would have said that was going to happen, they would have, you would have gotten a, a strange look. And again, that's not, that's certainly not denigrating any of those early poster artists. It's just that there was no volume. The vo- there wasn't volume and there just wasn't the, there just wasn't the demand um, for when it. They hired I mean, I remember, me, I think people were itching for yeah. these posters. I mean, I think I got in pretty early. Um, Jeff Wood of Drowning Creek Studios. Oh yeah, of course. Rad stuff for them. But yeah, it was pretty minimal before, um, I don't know, it was like the year they found me, they probably found some other guys too. Um, I mean, maybe Chuck Sperry and I just started around the same year, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden they kind of like went for the poster thing. And um, thank God they did. It's been successful for all of us. And, um, you know, some of those other names you mentioned, they may talk about their careers in slightly similar ways. Maybe not. But I, I know for Chuck Sperry, um, you know, his panic posters have been huge. And uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it, it's been cool. And the band um, leaves a lot of creative freedom. I think we really get to explore ourselves as artists within the band's um, legacy and music. And uh, that really leaves a lot of room for us to grow and, and continue to do posters for them and make them different and interesting and you know, it's not pigeons playing ping pong where every time somebody does a poster, it's pigeons playing ping pong. It's like, you know, Hannah, they sing about a lot of stuff. They have a lot of tones to their music and, and a lot of <laughs> references. So, um, it's, uh, you know, a deep well to to go into. Um, so. 
Yeah. So uh, I, I love doing posters and stuff. I'm doing it a little less, and maybe that's why you haven't seen as much stuff um, for from Panic uh, from me. The band kind of knows I'm in that situation, and um, I, I love them and will continue to want to do, you know, something a year for them and uh, be a part of their as they just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope they can. Uh, we can get get back to normal and they can get these shows back on the road for the rest yeah. of the year too. So, um, yeah. so where can we where can we find you and find your 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 posters and in your prints and various other things? How do how how do the people find Mark Spusa on the old internets? Yeah. So my last name is spelled S P U S T A. That's all you need to know. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, you are, the, like, you are the only Mark Fusta in the world. So, yeah, uh, uh, it's still my first name with a Q, but you don't need to know that. You can just look up my last name and you'll run into my art. Um, I like to keep a lot of stuff on my website. I try to have a pretty good archive. You could go there now and, and search Widespread Panic in uh, my little search bar and just look at you know all the Widespread Panic art to start. And then you could kind of look around there. Um, I have a shop connected to that. Um, of course, all widespread panic posters sell out instantly, so that is not a place to get anything like that. But I do sell shirts and stickers, and I've done some licensed work for um, Charles Schultz and uh, some other things that are still available in my shop. And then Instagram, I do Spoosta Studio. I do like doing that. I have a feeling as we're doing this quarantine, that's going to be more of, you know, chalk art i'm doing with my kids and stuff like that <laughs> on there. uh post records i'm listening to on there and then uh i have a facebook page that we keep pretty active with supposed to studio facebook page and we do like frame up contests of the art so if you have like widespread panic posters you have framed you want to share them on there um we do contests and give away art um just to kind of see how people frame up their art and how it's shown in their house. We like seeing that. Other people like seeing that when they want to frame a poster and get inspired on how somebody else did it. Um, I don't know. That's, that's some of the stuff I'd like you to check out if you're interested. Um, and can you talk a little bit about the, the secret stash project that you, that, 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 that you and yeah. your, your, your cousin do actually, uh, and just kind of yeah, explain what that yeah. is. Cause it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's such a cool thing. Well, thank you. Uh, com is what that is. And um, this kind of came about, um, so much of my stuff was ending up on eBay for really high prices. And, um, uh, I, you know, I get all these emails from people like, hey, I'll buy this. I'll spend twice as much. I'll, you know, <laughs> I saw you did something for charity the other day. I'll donate money to charity to get this or whatever I have to do. And and I didn't really, you know, it's okay that they're being sold on eBay, but um, just kind of supports, like, not exactly what I want to support. So I want to give people an alternative to buy kind of the rare or hard-to-get things of mine. And I started this Spusta stash to, to kind of be an avenue to do that away from my website and away from normal website sales, which... Uh, my stuff, the widespread panic, like if I put a panic poster up, it's gone in a minute. So I, I don't want it all to be about fast internet connection and stuff. So we did the Spusta stash. Um, 
my cousin who we'll call Gnome 11, as that's how she goes. Uh, <laughs> Gnome 11, that's how she runs it. But she sells all kinds of my work throughout the years. Panic posters will come up there. That's the only way you'll see see them now directly through me. I just send her artwork from my archive, what I find. I sometimes embellish some things, give her a couple cool things. And then she'll spend a month kind of distributing it in different ways, having little contests or giveaways or um, lottery sales where she picks people. And, you know, normally it's about 40% of those sales. We pick different charities to go to. So different auctions or things will go to different charities. And uh, it gives me a chance to get my art to people in different ways. It kind of combats a group of people we call the flippers and flippers mm-hmm. try to resell. And it gives my, you know, diehard fans that really want something kind of a different avenue to get some of those things from and just supporting the flippers. Um, so it serves a lot of different purposes and uh, it's been good. We've raised, I don't know how much now, but like, uh, way over a hundred thousand dollars for different charities just wow that's amazing yeah um it wasn't uh the original intention of maybe why uh i don't know there was a lot of reasons for it it's it's been good i I like it it's Mm -hmm. been going for three or four years now maybe three years so it's a nice aspect to my business um and um it keeps me feeling like i'm contributing to things i care about when I don't really want to take the time to like think about those things all the time. <laughs> They're mm-hmm. kind of just built into, <laughs> my, you know? Yeah. The environment yeah. is being destroyed. Yeah. Our government is horrible at protecting it. Okay. Yes. I care. Yes. I want anybody fighting that fight. I, I want to send them money, but um, I, I don't want to think about that shit all the time. Uh, otherwise my art would be more negative. <laughs> Which it was for a while. I want my art to be a little more uplifting. Um, sure. So, uh, yeah. Right on. Uh, um, well, we're going to end with um, something that I will hopefully be a public service to folks that are listening to this and are stuck at home. Um, give us give us a rundown of what uh, is is played in the Spusta studio these days um, you have a mark has an, an amazing record collection and is uh, I believe I believe you rock the double turntable setup don't you right now I don't have a mixer for the double turntables in my studio. Uh, um, okay so I gotta I gotta but, get uh, it was taking up too much space so I got a double turntable uh, okay studio that plays inside my studio and then outside in my backyard uh nice and, and, uh we got two other setups in the house so you know, <laughs> what, what do we listen to in the house like the frozen two soundtrack and <laughs> do, you, my kids. do you have it on vinyl oh yeah. you have it on vinyl yeah. oh that's awesome yeah yeah um, good taste yeah, uh, so lately with the kids' home, you know, I've been keeping it a little more bouncy, a little more fun. Um, I love playing dub music and working, um, especially with the kids around. It just kind of gives a great beat that I just love it when all of a sudden my kid's talking to me and they're just like bouncing. They don't even realize it. One <laughs> um, I had out today that I, I listen to a lot to kind of get motivated to work is a new Sly and Robbie record. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Militant Dub. It's just like really intense, kind of like almost workout dub music. 
I like to just kind mm-hmm. of get to work with that. On the flip side, I have been listening to the, the new John McLaughlin, Shankar Mahadevan, Zakir Hussein record that I did the art for, but I do really like it. Um, is that so? Very mellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, John plays his guitar through some weird synthesizers, and I, I didn't even know he's playing guitar on it. Uh, really, mm-hmm. it's John Martin. Uh, got yeah. into the Black Crows. They covered um, Over the Hill. Uh, I think that's the name of the song. It's the Brothers of the, uh, Brothers of the Feather yeah, stuff they did. John Martin, like mm-hmm. One World or Bless the Weather or Solid Air. Uh, all those are so cool. Uh, uh, singer, songwriter, really interesting guitarist. Uh, his voice gets kind of turns it into an instrument. Was a contemporary of Nick Drake, but then like you know, mm-hmm. Clapton in the eighties and stuff. Uh, Popol Vuh, yeah, uh, some weird German prog soundtrack <laughs> stuff. I like uh, kind of like spiritually relaxing. And I've been listening to a lot of like Lee Perry later stuff, recent stuff. Mm-hmm. Heavy Rain was a recent one I liked of his, kind of on the dub tip. But yeah, just trying to kind of, um, I mean, right now it's like I'm not listening to music with much evil in it. It's like pretty bright. <laughs> New circles around the sun. That stuff's really fun and, and fun to play with the mm-hmm. family. Really good instrumental kind of groove music. I have that mm-hmm. I'm shooting hoops outside. So yeah, yes. trying to stay optimistic, not too much lyrics because nothing's all that relevant right now. Just, just trying to vibe out. Sure. Um, well, we definitely need to have you back on again. Um, if you do some more artwork for the band, but also we've spent over an hour talking and we have yet to talk about our basketball career together. Um, the you know the innumerable <laughs> exactly that's why they turn tune in because <laughs> yeah. we've talked about appliance repair we've talked about existential dread yeah um, we've talked about all kinds of things i mean they should really hear about you know incredible middle school high school basketball duels um yeah. and and then burr jones all-stars too because i think it's just it's important oh, it um it's important history um but it get really bad. Maybe we'll have to live feed our virtual host or something for the people. I, yes. The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah well, well, talk to you again. Miss- this has been so fun to kind of talk to you. I mean, about um, stuff we always kind of talk about together in bits and pieces, but in kind of this, thanks for focusing me. I feel like I'm very reflective about my life and career with panic right now. Yeah, it was great. Uh, well, thank you so much, Mark, for for joining us today, and thanks to everybody for tuning in to episode whatever this is, whenever whenever it slots in. Um, but hope everybody's doing okay out there. Take care of yourselves. Uh, get takeout from a local restaurant if you can. Keep your wash your hands. Yeah, stay and, healthy. Uh, uh, don't drink too much. Um, you know, <laughs> eat your vegetables. Get some vitamin D. Get get some exercise. Let's not all gain 40 pounds. And, uh, not yes, we don't need that. Like this stuff when it comes through. 
um, and buy records from your local record shops because yeah. that's that's what's gonna it's gonna keep them in business and we want them around when when all this whole thing clears so we've got something to go do again so thanks well, Mark thanks to all of you poster artists that um, are really fluent in the gig poster scene some of the guys you've been seeing doing panic posters and all this in the last year right now all their gigs have been canceled their whole life ah, yeah good point I mean I know we talk about the musicians and I'm sure you guys are all conscious of that but um. If there's some panic art or other uh, gig art you've liked in the past, um, maybe check those people out now and, and buy a couple things from them. I'm not saying that for me. I don't even have that much for sale. I'm just kind of thinking about my whole industry in general and what we're going through. Mm-hmm. So we're all, you know, small business people. That's right. All right. So thank you, Mark. We'll close it out with a selection from the Red Rocks run of 2018. Close it out with something a little, obviously, by the title of this song, something a little happy. We'll go June 22nd, 2018, uh, middle of the second set, pre-drums, happy into BFD, into Love Tractor. So we'll see you again soon. Take care. Take care. Osiris.